I'll ask you to take your Bibles this evening, if you would, to turn to Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 27, and going down to verse 31. <clears throat> Let us um, stand as we read God's holy word. Isaiah 40:27. This is God's precious and holy word. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength." Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let us pray again. Our Father, how we... Thank you and praise you for prayer meetings. How we thank you and praise you, Father, that our hearts are encouraged, our hearts are lifted up. Thank you that the Spirit of God is, is present in the prayers of the people of God. Thank you, Father, that you have encouraged your people tonight. Lord, we pray that you would encourage our hearts yet further that you would indeed revive your church, that you would revive us individually. Lord, we are so sleepy. We are so lethargic. We are so sluggish. We pray, O oh God, that you would stir us up, that you would move us, that you would work in your church in this generation. O oh God, that you would cause the light to shine in this deep darkness that is around us, and that you would be glorified, that you would be exalted. Lord, bless your church, we pray. Bless us tonight as we look at your word. Teach us, give us grace to hear. Lord, even as I preach tonight, speak to my heart. Speak to the hearts of the faint and the weak the sick, those who are yearning and crying out to you with burdens on their hearts. May you hear their cries. May you help them. May you help your people. May you bless us with your word. It's your word. It's the word of the, of the living God. Cause it to minister to our hearts. Lord, keep me out of the way. Let me not say anything foolish. As I'm so prone to do, I'm a weak vessel. Lord, use me, I pray. And use the word of God in power in our hearts tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> well, I'm preaching on they that wait upon the Lord. And just for those of you who have really good memories, I think I preached a message on this passage back in 2019. I think I did. But I have no record of it. And I searched sermon audio, and I couldn't find it. And it's very possible that it wasn't recorded, or that it was recorded and it wasn't uploaded, or that sermon audio lost it, but I don't know. All I know is I couldn't find it. But I want to remind you of the message of this great portion of Scripture. And it's not because I didn't have anything else to preach, and I was even sitting there thinking, Oh, I could have preached that or, or that, but Lord, you've given me this. But um, 
this morning, as, as I opened my Bible and as I was having my devotions, the Lord impressed this passage upon my heart again. And it's not bad to be reminded. It's not a bad thing to be reminded of the great truths of God's Word. Do you have a great burden on your heart tonight that dominates your prayer life? And, and that something that has been a great burden, a great heaviness to you personally. <clears throat> I have a close family member who for two years descended into what she called a dark hole. That was back in 2009. And that's how she put it. A great pain entered her body, and along with it, a severe depression. And my mother calls it a nervous breakdown. It wasn't my mother, but um, my mom says that she had a nervous breakdown. My loved one herself calls it a clinical depression. And indeed, she was also suffering from sharp stomach pains. The ladies at her church did not believe her or take her condition seriously. They looked at her. She looked normal. Everything looked fine. But she was in a serious condition of depression. Her husband actually took her to work with him as a building contractor day after day. Sometimes he would take her, and I don't know how often, but he would, this is how she related it to me, that, that he would take her to a spring in the evening. You know, it gets pretty hot in Florida. And he would take her to a spring and <clears throat> just set her in the cool water and try to help her in her condition. At times, she was tempted by thoughts of suicide. Now, that's depression. I'm sure that that her husband prayed for her as well, although I haven't heard him say that. She told me she could hardly pray. And the only words that she could pray were, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. She'd kneel down at her chair and she'd cry out, Lord, help me. She would repeat those same words over and over. God left her in a condition similar to King Nebuchadnezzar for two years. Two years is a long time. But God has answered her prayers, and we thank God for that, and those of her family. And she is a lovely and humble and cheerful believer. I thank God for her. You would not know what she went through unless she were to tell you. But during those two years, it seemed as if no one cared. There were no answers. But we see that God was good to my precious loved one. There are some here today with physical problems and illnesses that you often pray about. You often go before God with your physical needs. In my family, we have a list of things, and we take those things to the Lord in prayer. Not just one person, not just two people, not just three people, but we're praying continually for different afflictions. There are parents here who have been praying for years, for their lost adult children. Perhaps the evil one at times has caused you to think hopeless thoughts. There are young adult ladies here who are praying for godly spouses. And the answer to their prayers has not yet come, but we're still praying. The same is true of young men among us for whom we're praying. There are concerns on our hearts as a church, as a body of believers. We, 
we have needs in our body and we're crying out to God. And some of those things have not yet come to be answered as we have prayed as of yet. We have, we ha- we're, we're a people with a lot of burdens. We live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a fallen world and, and, and there are many burdens on our hearts as individuals. Some things you probably don't share with other people. But you hold those things in your heart and you take them before the Lord in prayer. In verse 27 of Isaiah 40, God's people are in a similar condition. And so we'll read that in just a moment. The, The Lord rebukes them for their complaining. The Lord reproves them for complaining to him. You know, Israel was a very complaining people in the wilderness. And even now, out of the wilderness, in the land of Canaan, they are complaining. And he rebukes them even with a question. Verse 27, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment or my just cause is passed over from my God. The Lord reminds them of his glorious person and ways. In verse 28, he reminds them also with questions. And so he says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, There is no searching of his understanding. And then, thirdly, the Lord shows them a better way, beginning in verse 29. He shows them a better way with promises and promises of power. He says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And so so we have the basic outline of the passage. This is a message to help us deal with the problem or the apparent problem of unanswered prayer. Lord, teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. It is also a message to remind us about the unfathomable greatness of our God in the midst of our problems, in the midst of our questions, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our difficulties. And it is a message to show us that God has something better for us as we pray than even the answer to our prayers. God has something better for us. But he hears our cries, and he hasn't turned his back on us, and yes, he answers the prayers of his people. And he will give you your desires as you wait on him. But see, first of all, how that God rebukes them for their complaining in verse 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment, my just cause, is passed over from my God. (laughs) They're complaining. There's no two ways about it. The Lord knows what the problem is, and he's asking them to draw their attention to the problem. They are a complaining people. It is interesting that God addresses them by their old name and by their new name, all in the same verse. And this isn't the only time he does that. But he says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? Well, they're speaking as if they're acting in their old nature. They're they're speaking as someone would speak, acting out of an old sinful nature. 
Sometimes we as Christians think and act as if we were still the old self we once were, sometimes. I came to the ministry today, and a brother was talking to one of my sons, and, and he was talking about telling that old man to get off his back. I love it. Brother, keep telling that old man to get off your back. That's wonderful. The old man gets on your back sometimes, doesn't he? Even the sisters. Your old man gets on your back too, doesn't he? <laughs> the old woman, as it were. <laughs> but God, God rebukes them <clears throat> in their old name. And he says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob? What a reproof to be addressed by our old name. <clears throat> when we doubt God, let us be reminded that though we are believers, we are acting as unbelievers. We are not unbelievers, but we're acting as unbelievers. God rebukes them in their new name. And God says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord. My just cause is passed over from my God. Israel was Jacob's new name after he wrestled with God at Peniel and prevailed. <clears throat> Shame on us that we would be given a new name and yet complain against God and his ways. That God would make us a new creation. Israel means prince with God. And that is true of us as believers, that we are uh, believer priests. We are a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. And, and, and God has made us kings and priests unto our God. <clears throat> if we are complaining, we are complaining as a royal people. And that, and that certainly isn't right, that we shouldn't complain as God's royal people. They were complaining under the name of Israel. And they are not only thinking wrong thoughts about God, but they are actually expressing them. <clears throat> because God says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? And so they were not just thinking these thoughts, but they were actually speaking them. And usually what we are thinking in our minds and what we are feeling and thinking in our hearts, shall we say, those things are going to come out. Those things are going to come out of us. And they did come out. And so I ask you the question tonight, what have you been saying? And what have you been speaking concerning God and his ways? What are you thinking in your minds and hearts? What are you thinking? <clears throat> well, if we have doubt and if we have unbelief in us, it will come out as it did come out with them. <clears throat> what is their complaint that God sees and hears and reproves? What, what is their complaint? They are saying, God does not see what I'm going through. They God says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? God doesn't see what I'm going through. I have been crying out to God and, and, and appealing to him, and he hasn't answered me, and my way is hid from the Lord. I'm just saying that is perhaps what is going on in their minds. But they are saying, God doesn't see what's happening in my life. <clears throat> That is what they're saying. <clears throat> and then they're also saying, if God sees, he doesn't care. They're saying, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment or my just cause is passed over from my God. Now that is a dreadful thing to say about God. <clears throat> but, but God's people are saying that Either God doesn't see us and what we're going through, or God has passed over my just cause. 
And so God is not merely repeating their words. He's demanding to know why they're saying such things, which he knows the answer, but he wants them to think. They vainly imagine that he can't see and that he's uncaring and indifferent toward them. But his questions to them are proof enough that he sees. And his questions to them are proof enough that he cares far more than they realize. Searching questions that are even attended with wonderful theological truths and wonderful promises that follow. He cares enough to strongly admonish their unbelief. And God cares enough for you tonight to give you this message. And he cares enough for me tonight that he's giving me his word. We need to take it to heart. If, If we think that God, because we have been crying out to God time and time again for years of our lives... And, and we have called out to God for a specific thing, and God has chosen not to answer us at this point in time. He sees us, Amen. and he cares for us. Amen. But he has wise purposes that we may not understand, and that we probably don't understand, but he knows what he's doing, and he's a good God. God is hearing you, and God has not ignored you, and God cares about you as his child, and your just cause has not been passed over without good reason. Well, it's not a small thing to have doubts and unbelief in our hearts, even as believers. It's it's not a small thing, and we should confess our sin to God, even now, and put away such terrible ways of thinking. In some measure, these verses have caused me to confess my failure, failure on my part, as, as I have been looking at these verses again. So next we see that, number two, the Lord reminds them of his glorious person and ways. Verse 28, the Lord reminds them. You, Jacob, Israel, you're saying this, But in verse 28, he says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Haven't you known? Don't you know this? You, you who think that God doesn't see you when you pray. You who think that God is just passing over your, your judgment as you pray. Haven't you known? Haven't you heard? And this is theology 101. This is simple theology. This is simple truth. <clears throat> God's people were entertaining heretical thoughts or ideas about God. They had a theological problem. They didn't know the God that they knew. They didn't understand about their God. And so even with us, with all of our Bibles and all of our many books, our Banner of Truth books and our Puritan books and our chapel library books and with all that we have in over 2,000 years of church history, we, Christians, members of Mount Zion Bible Church, can entertain heretical thoughts about God, just as these Israelites, under the name of Jacob and Israel. Now, the last time I preached from this text, I called believers born-again heretics. (laughs) Anybody remember that? Glory remembers. Thank you. Maybe I didn't preach it here. I don't know. 
But <coughs> born again heretics. Now, I did that to get your attention. Or I did that to get the attention of whoever heard me preach that, especially Gloria back there. I do not believe that born-again believers can be identified as heretics. But in a figurative sense, we say these things. Doesn't James, writing under inspiration, speaking to the believers, say adulterers and adulteresses? Doesn't he do that? Maybe we need to go back and look at it again. He does do that. <clears throat> so James and I are on the same track here. And, and we, are, we are speaking rhetorically, if you will, and trying to get the, the attention of the Lord's people. And so, in that sense, it is possible to be a born-again heretic. In the sense... That, <clears throat> that we have strayed from the true nature of God and we've begun to think hard thoughts of God and his, his view of us and his treatment of us in our needs, in our very strongly felt needs, in, in our great distresses and our trials and our, and our sufferings as we cry out to him. <clears throat> The truth is, we often need to be reminded of basic theological truths. We, we need to be reminded. And so tonight, Isaiah is reminding us. <clears throat> well, what does he remind us? That, that the God whom they thought wasn't seeing them, and the God who was passing over their just cause, is God, the everlasting God. Have you not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, he is the everlasting God. The God who, who, to whom you pray again and again and again, week after week, month after month, perhaps year after year, and maybe in some cases even decade after decade, this is the everlasting God. To whom you're praying. This, this is the God who is outside of time because he always was and he always will be. He is the everlasting God. He is Yahweh. <clears throat> he says the everlasting God, the Lord, and the Lord is Yahweh. I know we also say Jehovah. <clears throat> The Hebrews didn't pronounce the name of God. They only wrote the consonants. And so they say that we don't really know how they pronounced it. But he is Yahweh. He is the great I am. He is the eternally self-existent God. He exists in himself. He said to Moses, tell them that I am that I am hath sent you. He is the I am. He is as my Old Testament survey teacher called him, the uncaused cause of all causes. God is uncaused, and he's the cause of all true causes. <clears throat> and this is the God to whom we're praying, the one who exists in himself. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. <clears throat> the creator of of the ends of the earth. You ever been to the ends of the earth? <laughs> our, our earth is a circle, isn't it? It's a sphere. And yet there are some far reaches in this earth, and I've been to a few of them. <clears throat> he is the creator of the ends of the earth. He enlarged on this already in verse 21 through verse 24, where the Lord said, Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he <coughs> that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and 
spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing, he maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted, yea, they shall not be sown, yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. He is the creator of all things. This is a glorious theological passage, and, and all the truth about God beginning, I think, in verse 10 and moving on down to the end of the chapter is so glorious. Beautiful, beautiful poetic theology. And we need to realize who God is, the God to whom we pray. In verse 9, the Lord said to Zion, Behold your God. <coughs> Israel needed to behold their God. Judah needed to behold their God. <coughs> In verses 10 through 26, that is what is set out in glorious language. He begins in verse 10, Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand. And he gives an exposition about God. It's the most beautiful theological lesson ever taught. And verse 28 actually gives a short summary of the bulk of this chapter. When he says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And so he faints not. He never changes or fails. He never faints. Have you ever fainted? (coughs) I think in um, certain ways we've all fainted. But some of us have fainted physically. I've had some of my children faint in church at times. I fainted out on a um, parade ground when I was in Army ROTC, and I remember standing there with my rifle, my M16 rifle, and we're all in formation, and I probably wasn't buckling my knees like I should have been, and I stiffened up, and down I went. And it was really strange, because one moment I was standing up, and the other moment I was on the ground. But I fainted. God never faints. God is unchanging. He never changes or fails. Neither is weary. Again, he never faints because he's never weary. He's immutable. He's the unchanging God. He's always the same. Our glorious God. There is no searching of his understanding in verse 28. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows what you need before you ask him for what you need. God wants you to pray to him, but he doesn't need your prayers. He knows all about you, and he does care about you. But he wants you to pray, and he wants you to pray so that he can answer your prayer, and you can praise him and thank him for what he's done. So let's cast aside all doubts and unbelief about our great God. Let's cast aside all of these questions in our minds. He sees what you're going through. He knows your problems. He cares about you and your problems. He cared about my loved one when she was going through all of those problems. He cares about the heavy burdens on the hearts of his people. And he is in full control of what is going on. He is in full control of everything. You can rest your weary head upon the shoulder of your God, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, who never grows weary, the Lord. (coughs) You can rest upon him. And thirdly, we see that the Lord shows them a better way. In verses 29 through 31, he gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. 
But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Notice with me that God never even mentions their just cause. God never even mentions their way. They were concerned about God seeing their way, and they were concerned about God caring about their just cause and not passing it over, but God never mentions their way, what it is. And he doesn't really directly address the, the burden of their hearts that they had. But he promises them power and strength as they wait upon him. And what do we do when we have burdens and troubles? We wait upon him. We cry out to him. We should be praying to him and waiting upon him. Isn't this an exact parallel to what Paul experiences in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Where Paul said... I besought the Lord, the, the Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh to humble him, to keep him from being exalted above measure, and I besought the Lord thrice for this thing, that God would remove that thorn in his flesh. He besought the Lord three times. <clears throat> and what did the Lord say to Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. My power is perfected in weakness. Paul then said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities <coughs> that the power of God may rest upon me. And so he delighted in trials and testings and difficulties. I think there's a parallel here. I, I see a, a parallel. Isn't, isn't it wonderful that the Old Testament and the New Testament parallel each other? And the same God who, who worked in the hearts and lives of his people in the Old Testament is the same God who works in the hearts and lives of his people in the New Testament. And the needs of the saints in the Old were the same as the needs of the saints in the New. And Paul asked the Lord three times for the Lord to see his way and, and to consider his just cause. He, he had a, a thorn in the flesh. And we don't know exactly what that was. And we could say a lot of things about that. And we could just fill a sermon with, with hypotheses about this is what Paul had. No, I think this is what he had. But isn't it wonderful that the Lord even left out their problems here in Isaiah, the Israelites, and he left out Paul's thorn in the flesh. We just know it was a thorn in the flesh. For them, it was a way. My way is hid from the Lord. My judgment is passed over. <clears throat> but the Lord said to Paul, not... Paul, I'm going to set you free from everything that bothers you. I'm going to set you free from every burden of your heart. I'm going to set you free from all trouble. I'm going to give you a peaceful life and everything is going to be rosy in this world. No. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Amen. And Paul learned from that. And immediately... Paul is on a, new, on a new plane. And the rest of his life, Paul is saying, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And here the Lord says, he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's all about strength, isn't it? 
It gives power to the faint. Those who have no might, he increases their strength. The youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And in this figurative language, we have the saint victorious and triumphing. And and we see the saint empowered by God. If you ever want to do a great study, do a, a study on power, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament is jam packed with power from God. <clears throat> and he said to, to his fainting disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And Peter was a different man after Pentecost. And we have that same power today. We have the power of the resurrected Christ within us. And God is reminding them, not only do I see And not only am I working in your life according to your your judgment or your just cause or whatever, but this is who I am. And you need to remember who I am. We need to remind ourselves of who God is when we're going through trials. And then you need to remember that there's something even better than the answer to your prayers. The Lord shows them the better way. And Paul discovered that better way in the New Testament. And so, in Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, the message is that in the midst of our great human weakness, as we wait upon the Lord, he renews our strength. Even if he doesn't give us everything we ask, he renews our strength. He empowers us. He, he causes all things to work together for good in our lives. And our, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. As we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are are eternal, and they're glorious. And so God is working in our lives for good. The blessing of power comes to those who in the midst of trials are waiting upon the Lord. The blessing of power comes. Well, waiting on the Lord, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Paul was waiting on the Lord. He cried out three times. The Lord heard Paul, and the Lord gave him beyond what he asked. What what does it mean to wait upon the Lord? Let's look at a few verses. Isaiah 8, 17. How does Isaiah use this word? In Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 17, he says, And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. It's interesting that the word look here is the same word in the Hebrew that is translated wait when he says, and they that wait upon the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord is looking for the Lord. It's It's having a confident expectation. It's faith and and it's hope and it's looking forward to him. It's laying hold of his promises and saying, God is going to do this because he promised. It's looking for him. Not only looking for answers from him, but looking for him. (laughs) Looking for the Lord. Looking to find him. I will wait upon the Lord that hides his face from the house of Jacob and I will look for him. It is looking expectantly. And so as we're waiting upon the Lord, we're looking for the Lord. We're, we're searching for his smile. We're searching for his face. We're, we're searching for the light of his countenance to shine upon us. <clears throat> we're looking for him. Have you ever looked for the Lord? 
He's there, but sometimes we can't find him. And we cry out to him. We look for him. They that wait upon the Lord. Isaiah 25 and verse 9. Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 9. Let's begin in chapter 8. There's a promise. He says, He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from all off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. <clears throat> and it shall be in that said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And so... <clears throat> Waiting upon the Lord is confident waiting in regard to his promises. He's made promise to us, and we wait for him to fulfill that promise. He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. <clears throat> the psalmist speaks a lot about waiting. Psalm 27 verses 13 and 14. I am not giving you all of the verses in the Bible on waiting, but just a few will help us this evening. Psalm 27 and verse 13. The psalmist said, David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. <clears throat> Waiting on the Lord is being of good courage and believing him. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Brother Jared, I think you mentioned to me that you also found that a blessed promise when you first came here. And I think that was this message at that time. <laughs> and I, I brought it out and I remembered that you said something to me. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so the Lord would have us to wait on him. <clears throat> there are more verses <clears throat> on waiting, but enough, enough to know that we're looking for him. We're relying upon his promises. We are taking courage in our hearts. <clears throat> we are waiting courageously. We are waiting in faith. Well, in conclusion... Whatever you're going through as a child of God, saints, whatever you're going through as a child of God, you should never think that God cannot see what you're experiencing. You should never think that God doesn't care because he sees and he cares. He is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. When those thoughts come into your mind, that's the lie of the evil one. He does care for his children. Amen. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Remind yourself that God is faithful. Remind yourself of his goodness. His goodness is his love, his mercy, his grace, his kindness to his people. Remind yourself of his power, that there's none like him. He has all might. Remind yourself of his omnipotence, his omniscience. He knows all things. His omnipresence, he is everywhere. Remind yourself that he cares, that he is the good shepherd. He knows you better than you know yourself. Amen. And then wait on the Lord. Experience his grace and his power as you wait upon him. And he says, 
you will mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. And his grace is sufficient for you. And his strength is made perfect in our human weakness. Even when we're praying and our prayers are not being answered the way we want them answered, but God's grace and power are all sufficient. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for (coughs) promises, glorious promises. Lord, take my feeble efforts to share something with these dear saints tonight and use it in their lives. Use it in my life. Give me grace to be a waiting saint, a trusting saint, a courageous saint, to wait on the Lord, to be of good courage, and he shall strengthen our hearts. Thank you, Father, for your precious word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll ask you to stand with me as we close. (coughs) As Paul concluded his letter to 2 Thessalonians, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.